Ahoy there, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin. Thanks for checking out this very special episode. It's Saturday Night's main event, The Revival from 2006, with myself and Mr. Billy Keeble taking us through this slice of pure mid-naughties gold as we look at the events leading up to WrestleMania 22. Couple of notes. First and foremost, big shout out to all of our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash a podcast. Right this second, there has been a huge big drop, which is that we've had our No Mercy video episode a new installment of gamesmanship has finally been released this clocks in at nearly two and a half hours it is the biggest and most ambitious and the best video episode that we have ever done if you've not become a backer go over now check it out for as little as five dollars a month you can get access to the whole back catalog of video episodes with myself and adam and adam and billy as well as that for your five dollars you will get access to nearly 80 episodes of the smackdown crawl you'll get access to all of the bibelo tech and you'll get other side ventures and side series as well so as on the feed now for free it was released last year our chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water album review so i will just say if you like the sound of that and you like the sound of all that other content and you like the sound of myself and adam doing a two and a half hour video episode about no mercy then head over to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash a podcast and as another little side note unfortunately in the process of recording this episode myself and billy there is a little bit of distortion on the audio on my end we've tried our best to clean it up and make it as listenable as possible but if you do hear some lower quality than usual we can only apologize and say that we're getting a new microphone we've gotten it sorted now and it was just a mistake and hopefully won't happen again so apologies in advance i hope you enjoyed the episode and keep your ears peeled because at the end there's going to be a bit of a vote a call to action so head over to the socials after that at a podcast or facebook.com forward slash attitude era podcast but for now settle in and act like you're in 2006 acting like you're in 1984 it's time for saturday night's main event hello everyone and welcome to the attitude era podcast Bono Saturday Night O Main Event O Special Edition. And hey, we're in the heady good old days of 2006. It's a little bit ruthless, the aggression in the air. And that's why, once again, it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin, settling up alongside my ranch member and good buddy, Mr. Billy Keeble. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well. Very, very excited to talk about this show. Yeah, now it comes to me to ask you, because I will be asked this a lot, why are we reviewing Saturday Night's main event, which A, is something from the 80s, which is not our remit, Mm -hmm. and B, it's been revamped and done in the Ruthless Aggression era, which is absolutely not our remit. What's going on here, Billy? Are you having your wicked way once again? So there are two reasons, why, in my mind, that we're doing this show. The first is because we saw the match card of Kane, Doink the Clown, and Eugene versus Kevin Vaughn, Viscera, and Umaga, which sounds like a match I would book myself. I would think it's basically like if, if Universe Mode in the 2K games, you replace the AI with like a digital, div, a digital upload of Billy's consciousness, it would make this match every week yeah 100 <laughs> percent. and like and i know that's not on this this particular one it's on the third one that we're gonna do but we're gonna get there you can't jump in on the third part of the of you know the septilogy of how many they end up doing in the revival you know we've got to do them all so i think we should do that the second reason that we're doing this is i think i can speak for both of us when i say that our favorite tom waits album is the heart of saturday night's main event <laughs> 
And that's why if you hear a telephone call in the middle of this, it'll be my second cousin. <laughs> and we will be stumbling and attempting to in this series, trying to find the heart of a Saturday night. <laughs> now, here's how it's going to go, Billy, right? I, I'm willing to be a gracious host and allow you to take us through here now and go on this Saturday night's main event odyssey. However, I will propose at some point at the end of this episode, we'll let the fans decide if they want us to continue on this 2006 revamp or we go all the way back in time and we check out classic AC Saturday Night Main Event. You see what I'm saying, yeah, huh? I wouldn't be opposed to that. In regard to that, I actually looked up, because this is from March 18th, 2006, two days after my 14th birthday. <laughs> and out of curiosity, I looked up the last Saturday Night Main Events card, which is yep. from when I was seven years old, uh, seven months old even, I should say, in 1992. Um, wow. And, and the card there was is pretty good. We had the Ultimate Maniacs against Money Inc. So oh. Warrior and Savage versus Ted DiBiase and IRS with Jimmy Hart. We had Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog. Oh! And then we got Bret Hart versus Papa Shango. <laughs> so that's not bad going. And what you don't know is that in that match, that's where Papa Shango cast a curse of ambivalence on Bret Hart, which is why he wasn't able to muster up enthusiasm one way or the other for the rest of his WWF tenure. That's what <laughs> happened there, you see. So right, we're 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 on solid ground here, Billy. Yeah. Because I remember watching this Saturday night's main event back in the day when it came out and being fucking floored. I loved it. I thought it was one of the best goddamn things. This is a period of time where outside of the Attitude Era, I would say it's probably my favourite time when I was watching WWE as a fan, this 2006 era, yeah. it's got some fucking spicy shit going on there. They're, they're firing on not all, but almost all cylinders, yeah. dare I say. And, and this is gearing up to WrestleMania 22, which is one of the best WrestleManias ever. It's Th Thanks for saying that, Billy, because slight bone to, to pick with you, which is I put forward WrestleMania 22 not once, I believe twice I've put it forward in a boy's pick because, as you said there, it's one of the best WrestleManias of all time, one of my favourite, and yet despite being in your era, it's obviously been considered much too good for us to review and has been left by the wayside, so we're doing this palate cleanser instead. People want to see the Punjabi prison matches, Kevin. They want to see MVP versus Matt Hardy in a pizza eating contest. That's what <laughs> the people want. You know what? I know one thing for sure. I, I, it, it's on steady footing we're starting this. And whether or not we go into the past or not, but all I can tell you is by the end of these Saturday Night Main Event revival in 2008 or whenever it was, they ran this fun little concept right into the fucking ground. Oh, no doubt they did. 100% they'll do that. So look, we're in 2006. We're coming up to WrestleMania 22, which is the greatest WrestleMania of all time, bar WrestleMania 17, as far as I'm concerned, because it's got big time as its theme. Oh, yeah. But never, never mind the confusing mixed messages of the culture of the time, bringing us all the way back to the 80s with big time. Billy... I want to know what's hooked up to my veins. It's 2006, and I want some goddamn culture. Give it to me. Excellent. So we'll start over here in the pop culture corner in the world of film, 
as we know, based on previous uh, attempts at the Culture Corner, we can't find Irish details. I can tell you that the number one Irish film of 2006 was The Wind That Shakes the Barley, which is a great, hey! which is a great film. Love that it movie. Is, it is. And you know what I like about it, Billy, is that it's a true-to-life, unfiltered look at the cruelty of the British but as done by a British person, because directed by Ken Loach. Good on you, Ken Loach. Take one for the team. Uh, but I can tell you that the UK number one film was The Hills Have Eyes remake. Really? Yeah, uh, uh, this week, that in the UK, that film was... And as... as Because that was the time when we used to get the remakes of every horror film. That is one of the few I would actually say that is better than the original. I, I saw that in the cinema, and I actually remember being surprised. It was one of those times I went to the cinema with literally... This is funny. If we're doing Culture Corner in, like, 2006, there's going to be so many instances of, like, oh, yeah, I went to see that because I was, like, 18 and incredibly bored. So I just <laughs> went to the cinema and saw something that I was like, oh, whatever. But I remember that being a romp. Yeah, that was, was a, a fist-pumping riot. And I do remember, as well, watching the making of documentary where they just talked ad nauseum about why their version was better than the original and why the original wasn't very, very good. So they were going to do a much better job of this. <laughs> the savagery. The bravado. The savagery, Billy. <laughs> uh, the US number one film I don't think is that good. It is the Matthew McConaughey vehicle failure to launch. Oh, that ain't, that ain't nothing. That, that ain't, ain't nothing. nothing. You know what? I don't need to know about a failure to launch when I know how to lose a guy in 10 days, Billy. You know what I'm saying? 100%. I'm going to do music last because I have I have something to, to ask you as the, the gatekeeper of Ireland uh, about, the, 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 about the Irish number one. So we're going to go through everything else first and end on music. Uh, okay okay so video games from the first quarter of 2006 oh. that i remember I feel, I feel like it's going to be a good year somehow 2006 for video games 2006 was a pretty good year the first quarter there was a lot of stuff i don't know because i didn't have nintendo products so i don't care I, uh, so i didn't care about mother 3 being released on gb advanced all right all right everyone's crying about mother it's all right because billy doesn't care <laughs> think about that but what i do care about is mark echoes getting up content under pressure, Kevin. What? What is that a game? That was that what? graffiti game that Mark Echo, who was like a graffiti artist, made. It was like How did he get a game. It was like a third. It was like a third-person action stealth game about graffiti. Wow! I imagine that people was, will remember that game because yeah, what everyone loves to do in video games is do graffiti. Particularly, I like when there's a very difficult stencil that you have to trace over with a thumbstick. <laughs> yeah. I like that and bullshit stealth. Those are my. Yeah. And if they could somehow marry those together, that would be great. Like, see, you could be talking about Mark Echoes getting up all the Warriors game right there. I mean, the Warriors game that that is to say that the Warriors game is one of my favorite games of all time. It, it, that's not an understatement. It's absolutely true. But to say that it's in spite of that graffiti mechanic is a truism <laughs> as well, I will say that. Has anyone checked if Mark echoes Banksy? Like, has anyone asked him? I don't think so, because I think what we do know about Banksy is that Banksy is from Bristol and Mark echoes French, I want to say. Okay, so he would have been more of an out of software type of a guy, yeah. right? I get you, I get you. Uh, other games that we got, if you remember the, the big first-person shooter, Black. Black fucking hell, amazing. Sorry, I'm more of a haze man myself, <laughs> Billy, you know. Uh, or I'm more of a Killzone 2 guy, you know. I, 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 you want to talk to me about generic cover-based shooters? Let's do it. <laughs> we got Burnout Revenge, uh, the fourth oh, entry okay. into the Burnout franchise. Big fan of that game. 
And two you know, days... it says a lot about that, that when I met you and Adam, like, many, many years later, that was still being played. Yeah, 100%. Burnout Revenge. I love like, Burnout you know? Revenge. <laughs> and then uh, the last game, that was like a big game. Two days after this show, Oblivion came out, Elder Scrolls Four. Really? Yeah. God. I remember getting that game and thinking, it might work on my PC, and it didn't. So I just kind of... There's kind of a bit of a gamble, really. Yeah. That's the original loot box. You buy a game for a PC <laughs> and just think, like, maybe the PC my parents bought for work purposes yeah. four years ago, maybe you can run this cutting-edge next-gen game. Yeah, in the, in, the, in the late 90s, no. early 2000s, there were many a unused, full-price PC game unable to be played on Windows 95. You know what? All it made me do was redouble my efforts in Morrowind. And who's laughing now? <laughs> Not Dagathor, I'll tell you that for nothing. So, uh, before we get to the music, just a few events. Nothing grim, I promise. Oh, right. Are you sure? Well, like, Billy, I- do you think that maybe that your definition of grim might be at odds with the human race's definition well, of grim? Well, I did write down about about something that happened in 2006 which i distinctly remember but people don't want to hear about the clinical trial of the anti-inflammatory drug tgn 1412 so the first tweet was published well billy in fairness of all the anti-inflammatories going out there like you know it's far from inflammatory to say that that is one of the top anti-inflammatory drugs going well that's the thing kevin it was an anti-inflammatory drug but it made people's faces get all big it did the exact Wait, it was a, opposite. You've given them the flammatory, you yeah, idiots. Did what did you do? Opposite. The first tweet was published by Jack Dorsey on the 21st of March, 2006. I don't think I even got on Twitter until like 2011, 2012. I think 2010 I did. It was because I wanted to live tweet the excitement of Kevin Steen leaving Ring of Honor live on pay-per-view. Ooh, and then also, as a result of that, to let everyone know my thoughts on Titus O'Neil in NXT. You know, I felt like I had to have a, a voice and a platform a voice and a platform for the world. But I think I might have gone into it as early because I remember I did it for radio back in university. So mm. I think I got my account, like, I want to say 2009, maybe? But 2006, that's a good two yeah. years earlier than I thought it was. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. Uh, English language Wikipedia reached its one millionth article, which was for what? Jordan Hill Railway Station. Ah, well, in fairness, you know, of all the railway stations, Jay Hill... It's, it's you know, up there, you know. It's, it's it's up there. It's up there oh, for... It's tra- up there on Jordan Hill, would you believe? It, uh, Jordan Hill Railway Station is the Lee Delamere road services of train stations. <laughs> I'm York, Billy. I'm glad you said it. I'm glad someone did, mate. I'm glad someone finally said it. Yeah, Lee Delamere, best ro- ro- roadside, uh, roadside uh, cafe and... Uh, and shops and Jordan Hill Railway Station, absolute Bobby Dazzler. We had the 78th Academy Awards. Best picture went to terrible film Crash. Oh, I remember. I remember that. Crash is rubbish. <laughs> I saw that. Guess what, Billy? I saw that in the cinema because I was bored and I had nothing to do. And I came out of it going, oh, well, that's racism taken care of then. Yeah. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Thanks, Crash. Best director went to Ang Lee for Brokeback Mountain, which is a great film and very well How made. Did that not win best? Crash beat Brokeback Mountain? Yep. Yeah. Racism obviously beats gay cowboys. Look, I'm just saying only one of those got referenced in Saturday Night's Main Event. Yes. And it wasn't the Oscar winner for Best Picture. Then Best Actor and Best Actress. Best Actor went to Philip Seymour Hoffman for Capote, which oh, is a great yeah. performance. Best Actress went to Reese Witherspoon for Walk the Line, which I barely remember her in it. 
I know she played I mean, June. She played his wife. Ju- she's June Carter in it. I mean, yeah. I love Reese Witherspoon, and I've like a, you know, as soon as you said that, there's like a mental list of like five or six Reese Witherspoon performances that I think are much better than yeah. that particular one. But you know, there you go. She was the leading lady in the movie about Johnny Cash and June yeah. Carter. And uh, we also got the first episode of Planet Earth debuting on BBC. Wow, God Almighty, that's so funny because, like, in my mind, that's still categorized as like the new David Attenborough, yes. and it's yeah. fucking fifteen years old. <laughs> <laughs> so on to our final section, which is music. Now, please, I will preface this by saying, even though I am about to roast the Irish number one single. Um, Wait, oh, sorry, whoa, whoa! I think you were saying I'm about to roast the Irish. I was like, Hang on a second. Um, it, you need to check your ranch membership card. There well, are terms and conditions. Even though I'm about to, uh, even though I'm about to roast you, it is the best song out of all three. Okay, okay. So the UK number one single, it's Chico time, baby. <laughs> it's Chico time. That's where that's where the UK was at. One week, I think it might have been two weeks of it's Chico time by Chico. But, you know, I mean, in fairness, so Chico, didn't he go to, he went to Kuwait and they were like, Chico time's fake. And he's like, is this fake? And he did the Chico time dance in front of him. Then they took his passport and they put him in jail. My my favorite Chico related thing is, I don't remember if you remember, in like 2012, that like, this, this is, this is going to sound dark, but just bear with me. In 2012, Chico had a series of strokes in a hotel and he got better and he was interviewed in a newspaper afterward and the genuine quote in the news article said, you know what? I really thought it was Chico's time, said Chico. Amazing. You know what? (laughs) If you go through a series of strokes and then you come out promoting at the other end of it, I fucking doff my cap to Chico. 100%. His 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 surname isn't time, is it? No, it's it's not. not No. Okay. Uh, The the US number one single was a song I'd never heard of, but I do have a big black spot for popular music late 90s mid 2000s which is so, so sick by basically all the time you've been alive pretty much is what you're saying well, no i'm like i knew like the alternative music but mainstream music i have a big black hole for but so sick by neo i i wasn't familiar with that i zan played it for me didn't recognize it i will dance to it on just dance though if it comes up on rotation i will report back and, and all the power to you kevin so the irish number one single here we go. Kevin, how familiar are you with the Irish comedian and radio personality Pat Short? I am I'm quite familiar with him, yeah. I, I, I used to watch uh, the Dunbelievables all the time, yeah. And uh, Tom Kenny, which was his partner, I saw him do stand-up a whole bunch. He used to tour Mullingar and Longford, and he would do Athlone on the loop as well, so he would. So, so, so you're aware of him. Are you aware he had the number one single in Ireland for five weeks? Is that breakfast roll? Jumbo breakfast roll. Jumbo, two bacon, two sausages, two pudding, one black, one white, something, something, something. All placed like a tower on top of each other and then wrapped up good, good and tight. tight. Yeah. If you're having some tea, then milk's over there and you'll find sugar in the bowl. It says, she, do you want some sauce? And that says, I, I do on me roll. Oh, that's, let me tell you. That's, that's such a quintessentially English sounding song to me. That could easily be like... We're, we're, our, our countries are coming together under the oh, banner fuck off, under the no, banner no, of a no, breakfast no, roll bought no. in, in a petrol station. This country is fucking shocking. The UK, <laughs> and I'm going to take all of your countries within the UK and the bit of our country in it as well. You're you're missing the fucking boat and have missed the boat 
on breakfast rolls. Also chicken fillet rolls as well. Basically, most of the... 90% of the baguettes that are sold in Ireland in hot delis, you don't understand. Yes, I've had breakfast baps. I've had breakfast bombs. I've had breakfast sandwiches. It's not the same thing. A breakfast roll, the, the foil, the wrapped up tightness, it being left. It's like one of those sandwiches you got to compress and let it absorb in and it, the flavor. And is, and is it particularly good from a petrol station? Yes, because when it's wrapped tight in the foil and it's left in there, the outside goes crunchier and the, the auxiliary fats from the various pig in there, absorbs in there. You get the kind of like nice dark brown topping then. So you get kind of a secondary sauce as all the meat mm. le leaks out its juices. I am very hungry. And before you think that I'm being some sort of a snob and just being a, you know, being nostalgic for my home country and all that, the one thing I will say is there was some sort of a devil goes down to Georgia situation with this entire country where he said, you know what? We'll let the baguette rolls and the nice sandwiches with them go, but we'll have all the nice pastries, mm. and Ireland will have substandard sausage rolls. <laughs> I went back home for the first time in two years to be once again reminded that Ireland is a country that has got a crippling sausage roll issue that I just, like, I feel like when I come back, I should come back with, like, a parachute full of sausage rolls to give to my countrymen. Because I feel like they've been missing out here. But Billy... No, that's strange, though, because I've had Irish sausages, and Irish sausages are quite nice. Oh, I know, but Billy, the furthest thing from inside a sausage roll is a this sausage. This is very true. And then the best cheese, is, in my opinion, is Wexford cheddar. And that about does it for the culture watch. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be more next time. It's time for Saturday night's main event. I'm Vince McMahon, chairman of WWE, and this is my son, Shane. Several months ago, Shawn Michaels disrespected me on national television, and I vowed to make Shawn Michaels' life a living hell. And tonight, I will fulfill that promise when my son, Shane, takes on Shawn Michaels in a street fight. No rules, no restrictions, and no mercy. Yeah, baby. So, Vince McMahon is going to make my life a living hell. Son. Vince, you want me to sink down to your level? Well, tonight, you just might get it. If I'm going to hell, your son Shane is coming with me. The only difference, I'm coming back. I have the game. Triple H, the king of kings. And at WrestleMania, I will become the 11-time WWE champion when I defeat John Cena. But tonight... Tonight, you get the tag team with the champ. Lucky for you, the champ is here. Hi, my name is not Earl. My name is John Bradshaw Layfield. And I made a little list about all the bad things I did in my life. Like number 452. That would be challenging Stone Cold Steve Austin to a beer drinking contest on Saturday night's main event and embarrassing him. Stone Cold, you may think you're more of a man than me. That may be true, but you will find out I am not a man. I am not a mere mortal. I am a wrestling god. <laughs> I'm the boogeyman, and I'm coming to get you. 
Saturday night and I'm feeling all right. It's Saturday night fever and we got some snappy ass promos to start us off. But I should point out, I'm not sure if it's because of recent allegations and recent departures, but the intro sting at the start of this, it's like, the world is watching. It's not over yet. Give me a hell yeah. Dan. Now I remember there was like five or six different people said bits like Hulkamania's running wild. Woo, yeah. this, that, and the other. It feels like this was a highly edited intro to this particular episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. It makes me wonder what was taken out and who was mm. taken out, who who was deemed done for. I, I'm guessing NBC. Hogan's definitely gone from there, but it's odd. Like, Austin is there, but they made him quiet. He's like, give me a hell yeah. <laughs> it's hmm. like Austin at a certain decibel level is no longer required, but... Give me a hell yeah. We can have that guy any day of the week. That's fine. Yeah, but, but I suppose that's because Austin's issues haven't been, like, massively publicly published anywhere. No, that's true. Maybe they're just being preemptive. They're, they're turning the volume on Steve Austin, like... Dark side of the ring, you know, going up, rubbing their hands together, like, gonna take them down, boys. Oh, I mean, there's more than enough there to do the burying. Like, I did a big episode yeah. on that for uh, for How To, the, the revisit we did, and I found some pretty shocking stuff it's it's all out there about steve austin for sure so we start off these are the classic kind of way they did these promos back in the day where you would have that kind of upbeat 80s tempo a little bit of synth and then you got all these quick fire bam 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 promos and i will say this drew me right in and yeah 100 i thought this is like how most wrestling shows should open themselves i completely echo you there that it was i was immediately in Here's a quick word from Vincent Shane. Here's Sean. Here's Triple H and Cena. He, here's JBL wearing a fake mustache saying, my name is not Earl, it is JBL. Now, there you and go. I- that, there's, your, there's your 2006 <laughs> references right there. My name is Earl. Season two on DVD. Season three. Uh, it's available I, now. <laughs> I thought we were going to get one for literally everybody who was on the card tonight. After JBL, we got the Boogeyman. Uh, and then that was it. No, no more talking from anybody else. Some of these I really enjoyed, such as Vince McMahon going, Hello everyone, I'm Vince McMahon, and this is my son Shane. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and then Shawn Michaels, what he said was that he was going to hell, and Shane McMahon was going to hell. But the only difference was, was that Shane McMahon won't be coming back from hell. So I said to brother Shawn, I said, only put enough fuel in those hypothetical vehicles to get us to hell so there's only enough for Shane to get halfway so he can't come back from Shane's mm. Shane's gonna stay in hell basically but Sean's only <laughs> going for a fleeting visit is what it is well he'll burn if he goes down there you know he's, he's a good Christian boy Triple H trying really hard to look cool but in 2006 if you're Triple H it just means make me look wetter <laughs> Yeah. He looked like, he literally looked like one of those sea trolls from fucking The Witcher. Like he's going to start throwing <laughs> children's bones and mud at you or something like that. And then, oh, who's his tag team partner? Opie Dopey, Misa John Cena. <laughs> wow, wow, wee, wow. <laughs> like there's certainly, uh, the one thing I will say, later in their years, they did make a concerted effort to try and make John seem cool in the eyes of wrestling fans, have him do the open challenge, have him you know, put people over, do different moves. Mm. They are not trying to make you like John Cena here no. other than mm. giving you a straight black tar heroin John Cena right here. <laughs> right here, right now. And on commentary, we've got a, the, the team of J.R. Taz and King. Oh. And I tell you what, 
It was pretty good, the commentary tonight. It was. And recurring thing you will hear on commentary back in this period of time, between now and 2010, joining us again, or welcome back on commentary, Jim Ross, who had been taken off of commentary after he'd been unceremoniously fired by Linda McMahon when she turned heel on Raw Homecoming. And there's a little oh. heel turn that no one ever remembers. When Linda McMahon went fucking heel and kicked JR in the balls. Jesus Christ. But you get that, not, I think that's why they did it, is that JR is never more motivated than when he's been taken off TV and then put back on. And they're, they're, saying, mm. they're making it out for one night only. Like, because Taz trips over his words, he keeps saying that, oh, King and JR, they're on Raw. And then he has to correct himself and say, no, King is on Raw. I'm on SmackDown. JR is like a free agent. <laughs> so it was like King calling Raw by himself. No, it was actually at the time one of my favorite freak commentary teams. And no more than Michael Cole being a heel and me loving that and no one else loving it. I've got an awful soft spot in my heart for the trio of Jonathan Coachman, Jerry the King Lawler, and Joey Styles. Proof that oh, passive shit, aggression yes. can get over in the wrestling business. Yeah, no, I remember that team now. That is great. The only problem each of them had was whose legs were they going to cut off from under them with each literal sentence that came out of each literal mouth they yeah. had. <laughs> I tell you what I love as well. That lovely plain set that they have. Ooh, yes, please. Yeah, it looks really nice. Like, I was just, like, kind of dumbfounded of... Cause, 2006 under the Ruthless Aggression era in general is kind of seen as like sort of like a malaise of content yeah. and, you know, and style. But there is a certain flair and style to this show. I don't know if it's because they're referencing the 80s so much in it. Well, like they, they're but, trying to go kind of simplistic a little bit to go like the old Saturday Because the old Saturday Night's mm. main event, it was literally just, you know, a tarp or whatever they'd have up or, yeah. you know, maybe a gazebo. Yeah, if you and it might, work that it's a, it might work that it's a smaller stadium in Detroit. It's a sold-out crowd of 7,000. They said so this it's is, a smaller... This, this is Kobe Arena. And I, yeah. I, I know Detroit, and when they said Kobe Arena, my immediate thought was, isn't this where Hulk Hogan and the Giant had their monster truck showdown and then the Giant fell off of one side of it? They need to check around the side of this arena if there's any like Paul White-shaped outlines from when he fell off that one time. You <laughs> like, know? like proper Looney Tunes hole in the ground. <laughs> But yeah, it's a nice plain set, and the only difference is they got that kind of big blank screen, but they project the Titantrons up there, like they're at like kind of uh, uh, a big house party or something like that. Mm. I really thought it worked really, really well. Opening us up, what a start to the show! You've got the main events for each brand for WrestleMania taking each other on. This is such a good idea. John Cena and Triple H taking on Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, and Rey Mysterio. Fucking absolutely. This is such a good concept. Because you got two oddball tag teams, but they're having main events down the line. And the bit of brand supremacy yeah. outside the Survivor Series, I'm happy to see that. They should do this more often. Yes, definitely. They should do this more often. Like the paper. Like, I, I know that they've kind of got stuck in the ways with what Elimination Chamber is yeah, now. Yeah. But like. If if we perhaps moved Elimination Chamber or made it mean something different, I would love to have a pay-per-view where we kind of got this kind of thing. And I like the idea as well that like, you have like these announcers there and you got Taz and Jerry the Joker Lawler in his lovely purple blazer. They're like Ooh, kind yes. of big enough saying, like, oh, our main event's going to be better. And you know, Taz is like, oh, this is going to steal the show. You know, this triple threat's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be off the hook. It's going to be a rocket buster. And I like that a lot. I like that they have... 
those kind of competing visions, even though only one of these matches will go on last. And spoiler, it's the one that has Triple H in it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you make the dark-sided John Cena in his symbiote black gear? Yeah, there was a lot of strange gear. Kurt Angle's gear as well. Yeah. Kurt Angle not in a singlet in black and yellow trunks is like... Very peculiar indeed. Mm. I don't, John Cena being the happy character wearing all black, look at all dark-sided. I want to kill Peter Parker! I say, I, I want to kill Peter Parker. <laughs> Kurt Angle, this is him at a point where it's quite difficult to watch because there's two sides of my lizard brain. There's the lizard wrestling fan brain that's like, yeah, Kurt Angle, he's really intense here and he's fucking jacked and he's really, really intense and he's a machine. And then there's the lizard brain that's got a heart vestule on it that's like, he's probably in the worst condition mentally mm. that he's ever been in at this point yeah. and he's struggling with painkiller addiction a fucked up neck and more besides and compensating with that with job satisfaction by putting on the greatest wrestling matches of all of his entire career it's tough to watch and then uh, the music as well oh. I, I forgot i forgot about people's music the 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 pre booyaka 619 theme from ray is terrible it's very bad the however cr- the i the crowd don't... did not make a peep for ray when he came out no. jesus christ we got the standard you suck chance from Kurt. We got about a 50-50 split on Cena. Yeah, he did I have passion. He definitely had the most passionate of anyone in the fan um, base. And then Orton comes out. And I don't know if I'm in the min- uh, the minority or the majority here. Burn in my light is better than voices. Mm, okay. Here's, here's how I think. Burn in my light is a more fishing theme for this Randy Orton. Voices... The fact that voice has been used for so long, I think it's less fitting at points in his career. Yeah. Because there was like times where they had the whole thing where Randy was like this really explosively angry dude. Voices worked very well then. Randy Orton's smiling and grimacing when he puts on neon headphones that a sex offender has given him. That seems to be less to yeah. do with voices. But Burn In My Light, I fucking love it. And the only thing I love more about Burn In My Light is the fact that Randy Orton fucking hates it, apparently, which is really Does funny. He? Yeah, he didn't like it. He wanted Punk's theme, This Fire Burns. He 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 wanted that yeah. one instead, but they, they gave him this instead. I think it works. It works a little bit for his, uh, his character. It works as yeah, a like uh, cocky young sort. I think it works very, very well. Oh, boy, the fucking mist that descends in this match. What the hell happened here? I have not. I've, I think it was. There was a lot of pyro, wasn't there? there so was. I think it was leftover smoke. This is it. You've got, you've got five main eventers coming out. Uh, one person they don't believe is the main eventer, Rey Mysterio, who they overcompensated the lack of main event status with more fireworks. And it's a quote unquote small arena. So more of it to, to, to be condensed down into a small area. But, like, how can they have so much thought and care going into making a television product and you're bringing out, honestly, your five biggest stars in your company at the moment and then you can't even fucking see them. It's so stupid. They don't care. They love the pyro. That's true. And you know what? You're not missing much because it starts off awesome. John Cena versus Randy Orton, a matchup that never, ever has felt like a big deal, ever. And yet, it should in my mind, it's like there's a part of me that goes, it should be like Brett and Sean, though, or like Cena and mm. Batista. It, it doesn't feel like that. It's just, it always feels like, yeah, they're just there they are now. I don't know why that is. I never felt any sizzle between those two. The only time I, I think I came close to a sizzle is, do you remember the, the match they had for the unification of the title? Yes. Like in like 2000, 
13, 14? What, the 2013th or 14th match? It was one of those, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, I remember that being, and it was a ladder match, if I want to say. Yeah, it was. I could be wrong. I remember that match being good, but the rest of the times they've ever faced off together, and we know that they are eventually going to face off again because we're going to we're gonna have to have, to, you know, who's going to be the, the most had the most championship runs ever because they're they're equal now aren't they so uh well in fairness given like you, you mentioned dark side of the ring earlier we're recording this in late september 2021 i don't know how prevalent that particular storyline and number of world titles will be in the years yes, ahead yes in fairness, very true that may be dropped rather quickly somehow yeah you know what's fucking weird to me billy this is literally 15 and a half years ago and Rey Mysterio is slower than he is now when I watched yeah. him the other day on television. I don't get that. I have not. Like, and considering that it, between this and now, he's had so many injuries. Yeah, right. And so had knee replacements and surgeries and he's better now than he is here. You know what is, it is? It's astonishing. It's this fucking bullshit where they make him... Ta- like Whether they told him to or he feels he needs to, but he's this like, fucking squat little brick shithouse at mm. the moment which is such it's so odd to see ray mysterio try to be like, tack on all this fucking mass and he's probably half the size now and that's probably why he moves so yeah. much smoother is he used to have all this excess fucking cargo i'll tell you what jr is here for one reason tonight folks and he's got a whole fucking gym bag full of new phrases and references for triple h first of them that he uses is that triple h is aloof a very aloof performer, Triple H. The uh, the aloof aristocrat, Triple H. I don't. There's know. nothing aloof about Triple H. Like, <laughs> even if he was aloof, is that something that comes across in a wrestling character? I don't think I ever want to see someone aloof other than Orange Cassidy ever in my wrestling show. Dalton Castle, he's another one you can say is like pulls off the aloof. Triple H is not aloof. He's the opposite no, of aloof. He cares. No one who carries a sledgehammer can be called aloof. <laughs> He's he's much too invested in everything because everything pertains to him. He can't be yeah. aloof. The other one that uh, JR used, he used this one, I counted five times in this match. The Monarch of the Mat, Triple H. The Monarch of the Mat. The Monarch of the Mat. He should have went full on. He should have called him Triple M. The Mighty Monarch of the Mat. <laughs> I think the Marquis of the mat <laughs> the marquee of the mass <laughs> yeah that, that sounds better would you put the marquee on the mass that's where it needs to be otherwise the rain will slip on it go on now <laughs> jesus christ yeah this is also as well the monarch of the mat and in being aloof and the wrestling aristocrat these all come off while triple h has just debuted his new one which is the king of kings right so if you didn't have a special song made for it I don't think it would have stuck but motorhead should have to go with the mighty monarch of the mat that might have been pretty good we got uh, Ray and Triple H in for the majority of it. Ray is pretty much worked over the heat for him the whole time. We got a hot rant to Taggy Orton, but John Cena is that much hotter. And when he comes in, it's not that people hate him more, but the people who do hate him get much louder. Like yeah. That's the thing with Cena. You, you might feel like, oh, he's losing the crowd. He's not. He's just making those who don't like him more enraged, which it's, it, it's so funny to me still how angry people it's, are getting. It's like a tonal change. Yeah. There, there's there's a steady, uh, as he comes in. That's how it goes. I don't think JR made things a bit easier for us angry anti-Cena fans back in the day with lines like, lack John Cena or not, you gotta love him. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, he's the goody. It's the rules. <laughs> we get the F you to Randy Orton, and then Triple H comes in. He lays out Cena with the pedigree, and we get this like long, slow. Then I give him the pedigree, and I walk for around a 10 count. And mm. then I come back in, I put Randy on top of him. And then I walk for around a 19 count, you know, to, 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 to protect the kid. Ray pulls Orton off him. That's it. Ray doesn't, Ray doesn't want to win in this way. Like, all right, the pedigree's a pretty cool move, but come on, Triple H. That was, like, that's the only move that John got the whole fucking match at this point. He's out for, like, a standing 30 count. He would have yeah. lost two boxing world titles at this point. It becomes a little bit crazy as all the main eventers try and get their heat back all at once, but we get... Ray saving John, and then we get a pedigree to Ray Mysterio, an RKO to Kurt Angle, and then another RKO which comes to John Cena, but Cena counters it and rolls up Randy, so he didn't really beat Randy. Team Raw pick up the win, and JR gives us one last monarch of the man as Triple H stares down John Cena and then ruins it by going, <laughs> I was gonna. I knew a lol Cena wins was gonna come. Yeah, but this didn't. This didn't feel like your standard lol Cena win now, because this, he did it using a roll up. It was. It was odd because it was lol Cena wins, but it was more like lol Triple H has the most devastating finishing maneuver yeah. in all of professional wrestling. If you are ever involved in a stare down at home, right? You lo- the important thing is, and there's a lot of psychology that goes into this, right? And I studied animal behavior for many years, and this comes from across the animal kingdom. You stare at them in the eyes. Don't don't break eye contact. Five, six seconds. Then simply raise your arms into the air and go, and you will intimidate them. You will come out the victor of that matchup every <laughs> single time. The night is described as being a Super Bowl-like environment. And then they segue into talking about WrestleMania, which probably will have more of a Super Bowl-like environment, if anything. Probably, yeah. It is the Super Bowl of wrestling. (laughs) It is in a slightly bigger arena than this one. We got a couple of choice names coming up for the Hall of Fame. But the music- this is a good year. Oh, good vintage. Mm, vintage. Kiss. Very good year indeed. This is particularly great, this Hall of Fame, because the music they have for it is like when you're picking a house at the start of The Sims. It's like... And Joe points out to me that Mean Gene Oakland, our first inductee, is quite like a Sim. And he would be like... He would work very well in that Sim language. We also got Eddie Guerrero... Vern Gagne, which was that was very important, them doing a non WWE one, reaching out to the mm. AWA kind of base. That was huge at the time. Sensational Sherry, and they know she's only the second woman brought in, and the first woman brought in who didn't have a slave ring. So that's pretty impressive. No. We got Eddie Guerrero and Brett the Hitman Hart. This is all in one year. Jesus Christ. That's a good, a good year, strong year. Jacked fucking hell. Backstage, we got Booker T, and Booker T is chatting with Teddy Long. He's there with his wife Charmel, and he's there with the doctor, who is for who's some... got a really high voice. Hasn't he? I don't know. He's got a lot of pain, Billy. He might be able to make it out to the ring tonight. This is what I'm saying to you here now. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to make fun of somebody's voice, but I was not expecting that high pitch of voice to come out of that man. It took me by big surprise. It was like. Part of me had to be convinced that, like, they hadn't hired this doctor specifically because he has a funny voice. And they thought, well, you know, 
I don't know what his stance on Z-Packs are, but he'll do a funny promo now and then. <laughs> but, well, we had Dr. Scary in the past. Now let's go for Dr. Funny. Yeah, it's a nice palate cleanser after Dr. Scary in the years that he spent with his ice-cold stare. So he basically says, look, we can't find out unless we get an MRI, which will take three or four hours. Tell that to Dr. Gregory House, standing invite more like, and that we just have to go, you know, because the limits of medicine, we just have to listen to him and believe that he's in pain. And Booker T takes advantage of the fact that this doctor is a no good stooge. And I did like the little face on him that he pulled as he was leaving, going, yeah, he's going to have a big jarty night out now instead. Because he, so he, he wants to get out of fighting the boogeyman. Well, I mean, Billy, you wouldn't want to fight a man who'd probably give you a stomach virus if you had a chance to wrestle him. <laughs> in fairness, like, come on. Give you literal worms. Literal worms. Like, not, no, not even the big ones. The little the ones. Little ones. The little ones. The ones that we have to go inside and have a look at. They're wriggling around yeah. your intestines. Like, the ones <laughs> that get into your heart and your eyes. Good Lord. Coming up next, cutting an egg. Sorry, the cutting edge with egg. Egg coming out with Lita and all men's jackets from the years 2005 to 2009. <laughs> 100%. Did you have one of these bad boys, Billy? Uh, I had something that was very close to it, I must admit, as a 14-year-old. I didn't have one of these, but I rolled with a crew where there was at least six of them, so I felt like I didn't need to. I was surrounded by wall-to-wall Johnny Knoxville leather. I'd, I'd, I'd have that, and then I'd have my Guy Fieri black bowling shirt with the red flames coming up from the bottom. I was <laughs> a cool dude. This, you want to challenge this dude fucking Pokemon, he'd knock your fucking block off. <laughs> now, what is the vibe of the cutting edge? Because Piper's Pit, obviously, is the, is the benchmark for all these interview segments for wrestlers. What is Edge's actual kind of style here? Antagonism. <laughs> The baddie, basically. Black, yeah, it is black pure carpet, antagonism. Black stool. Because we're gearing up to WrestleMania 22. We're, we're, we're getting a Bobby Dazzler of a match between oh, him and Foley. One of my what, I think it might be my favourite Edge match I, is that match he has with Foley. And one of my favourite Foley matches. And you know what? Um, Foley doesn't even rank that match, would you believe? Does he not? No, and because he thought his underwear shows for too much of that match. And I was like the biggest fan of that match. And I read that in his book. I was like, no, Mick, no, come here and I'll put it on and watch. Oh no, they are. And are I, they? And I thought it was his undershirt. But once you know that it's his fruit of the looms. Oh no, it, Mick. I, I'm sorry, I just literally ruined that match for everyone, including you. <laughs> there you go. What Edge says here to call out Foley, he says he's not the hardcore legend anymore. He's a teddy bear, oh. a muppet says that all he does is come out with his cheap pops, uh, plugging his outside endeavours that will always fail. And <laughs> That's a little and- bit close to the bone. Mick Foley coming back to wrestle in 2006. Yeah, the market wasn't good, and it's yeah. yet to be the financial crash. He's going to be doing a little bit more of that. And then, then he goes on to say that how Foley is so undeserving of a WrestleMania match that they're just going to have the match right now instead. He referred to him as the most overrated superstar of all time, which is really funny coming from a guy who, for heel heat, Lita referred to him as the most watched champion of the last five years, (laughs) which is a middling fucking accolade at best, Bill. Yeah. So he calls out Foley, Foley's music plays, he doesn't come out, and then he calls Foley overrated, and then he comes out, and then JR goes, overrated? Maybe not. (laughs) 
Come on, come on now. That's right, JR. Come on now. Let's pick him up now. Yes, he's a teddy bear, but he's a scary teddy bear as well. And you know what? All all those worries you might have goes away straight away because Edge douses the table, sets on fire, and you just get this immediate, like, something you don't see in WWE, like, Mm. at all, which is fucking a flaming table. And Edge, he kicks that over, and you've got the carpet goes up straight away. Yeah. I think they were going for a shot of Foley in the fire because they cut over and Foley kind of stood in this pose. But literally, like, as is the case often with fire and wrestling, the flames were too high and you couldn't see yeah. anything. It was just Foley, like, wreathed in, engulfed the, in flames, golfing everywhere. The, the image of Foley coming down the ramp and then an immediate cut to Edge getting rid of all the weapons on the table and then, like, in like genuine fear, squeezing lighter fluid onto the table, really had me laughing. It's funny. It's, it's like he's a wild animal. It's like, it's scare him off with yeah. loud noises and bright lights and <laughs> warmth and all that. I did like as well the shoot cough from Jerry Lawler. Like when the fire was out, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you what, the one thing scarier than the thumbtacks that come out is that smoldering carpet because that must smell like rolled up shite. Sweaty carpet on fire. Oh, my God. And, oh, is Mick Foley beloved comedian Jimmy Carr? Because he's got some tax issues because he goes oh. face first into oh. a load of goddamn thumbtacks. That was fucking horrible. That was nasty. Oh, my God. Face first, unprotected into thumbtacks. Yeah, and you get the fucking worked for, begged for tiny trickle of the warmest blood you've ever yeah. seen in your life i uh, like foley's just like pulling out bits he yeah. smiles he, oh my he sits God. up and smiles and there's one that's right in his lip it looks so painful like i think there's a lot of people who are down on mick for doing these matches and these segments back in 2006 but for me like it's probably one of the reasons why i was such a fan at this time like foley was always my guy and the thing about Foley is because of, you know, he looked like this when he was 28. And he's mm. like, you know, probably more nearly 40 here now. But he can still do what he did before, for the most part. He looks mm. the same. The eyes, the emotion, all of that, all the timing, it's all still there. And I think, actually, you know what? Anyone who ragged on McFoley for doing this and come back for the money, no, fuck it. If you can make the memory and you can make it be true to what your legacy was, and it is then do it. This, if anything, this enhances Foley's legacy. It made him seem like all those things that Edge had brought up immediately went away. This was the hardcore legend. This was the king of the death match. Yeah. This was Mick Foley with fucking goosebumps all over me I'm right now. This was awesome. No, it was great. And like, and as me as a 14-year-old watching this for the... You know, I can't remember, was was Orton before this or was Orton yes, after it was or- this? Yes, Orton was before this, yeah. So like, I think that was the first time I had seen Mick Foley was during the Orton feud. And oh. I was just like, and I was just like, who is this guy? So every time he appeared as a 14 year old, I was like, okay, shit's about to get real now. I know oh, what this guy's about. So, man. and I didn't even have the, the history of the attitude era to, to, to as a reference point. I just knew here's this older guy. who's a fucking lunatic. Well, that's what's great about it. And that's like why it's, it's so effective. Like so often, I remember when we first started how to rest and you would see like, you know, on the modern show that you're watching at the time, they bring back all these legends and they kind of ring fence them and make them seem special. But if you were a new fan like Joe was, you had no fucking idea as to mm. why they were special or what was that was special about them. And here's Foley 
showing you that. New yeah. fan, you get the feeling of what it was like to be an old fan. You're an old fan, you get the feeling of what it was like when you were a fan those years ago. And it's obviously difficult with someone who's detailing every anxiety and everything he writhed over in his head about how difficult this was and the doubts he had about it. You read about it in his books, in his blogs. You know, this is before Twitter. Foley was still giving you an open door into his mindset. I'm kind of glad that he was agonizing because it meant then that he was putting his foot down and saying, no. This is how the segment's going to go. And it's for reasons like that that he was lobbying to have Terry Funk bite Vince McMahon's ass unsuccessfully, but it was for the best. And I'm glad that Foley got this segment. This was main event caliber stuff. It was excellent. He does the concerto on the ramp. Lita, like, looks, Lita's great in this. She looks like she's seen a fucking ghost, like proper mm. scary, like, what have we done? We fucked up bad. Yeah. And Foley posing with the chair and all the th- tacks falling off his face as you get that trickle of blood. Awesome. Great stuff. Yeah, I loved every second of this. Oh, and afterward, I think it was one of my favorite video packages of all time. You are the chairman of the board of a multi-million dollar corporation. Don't you think it's time that you grow up a little bit? Maybe it's time that you move on. I screwed, Red Heart. John... Don't make me screw you. You open the floodgates for your own personal hell. I hate people like you. Shane McMahon with a steel chair from the hall. It's Saturday night's main event. It's you, one-on-one, in a street fight against my son, Shane. For Shawn Michaels! All you've done is me off. He was ready on the McMahon's hit list! What are they gonna do to him now? How does it feel to swallow your pride out here in front of this capacity crowd? How does it feel, Sean? Let me just say that if Sean is contemplating a victory over my son Shane at Saturday main event, I would suggest that Shawn Michaels has no chance in hell. This Vince McMahon HBK one. Half of this was yeah. used for the Vince McMahon McMahon DVD, but it's like one handsome, virile son of a bitch business icon. I got a massive dick. I'm really great. And I definitely didn't tear both my quads last year. As soon as in this package, Mc- we saw the clip of McMahon threatening to do to Sean what he did to Brett. <laughs> they, the, the ball, the ball dropped. I was like, oh, oh, because I can't remember if we referenced this in Survivor Series. We did. I, I did a big list of all the made-up yeah. Montreal I Screwjobs. I couldn't remember if you mentioned of, this one. And this one can, was brought up, yeah. Yeah, so I was, I was, I, I knew immediately it was like, oh my God, they're going to do it again. <laughs> oh, it's so funny when they were like, I screwed Bret Hart. And they had to give the little kind of zoom in, like, look, there he is. Look, there in the corner. And it's so funny because having just done Survivor Series with you, and they're yeah. making out, like, if you, if you back into the left, if you squint there, you can just about make out there's Vince McMahon. And he's literally right in front of them on the on the pay-per-view doing an inset yeah. promo about, you guys got to figure this out. Gosh, get it into the ring. He's there. We know. He's a character for fuck's sake. And again, this wasn't done on purpose. We didn't do no. one that's going to have a Survivor Series reference. No, no. I didn't know 
we didn't know this was going to happen going in. <laughs> it's like Buster's Billy. You wait all day for a Montreal screw job to appear, then two come along at once. Yeah. Best line in the whole video package. You want to kiss my ass? Kiss, 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 kiss it. Yeah. <laughs> and also the font for the street fight. It's very fun. Very fun font. For the yeah, I liked fight. it. It's good. good. Backstage, Booker and Charmel, they do a very awkward little dance. It's like, here are two beautiful people looking like a million dollars, and they're married and have a great relationship, and they still made me feel kind of cringy and weird for them when they're like dancing mm. going, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> oh, they just want to go home and shit, don't they? Fucking hell. I was... I was so worried that the towel was gonna, the tiny towel was gonna come off Booker. Wow, Starsky and Hutch levels of tiny towel on Booker there. And seeing as he was doing the Karate Kid pose, and he was straight up dancing with his wife, very impressive. Very, very impressive. Good, a good towel tuck technique. Unbelievable. I mean, he's got some sort of an advanced tuck and perhaps a knot underneath mm. there as well. What that is, Billy, is that's a much longer towel that has been like, you know, when you do a share style, when you have a bag of Doritos mm. or whatever, he's done that to kind of ruffle up the, uh, and shorten <laughs> the, 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 and secure the load of the towel. I, I don't, I don't quite understand this from a story perspective of, you know, if he's pretending to be injured, Go fucking home. Don't just stay in the arena and have a shower. You're supposed to be injured. Go to the hospital. Or go back to your hotel and pretend you went to the hospital. This guy's never bunked off school to see Lord of the Rings like I have, clearly. Like, you know. This is like bunking off school but staying in the rece- near the reception desk. Hey, let's go. Let's go to the canteen. There'll be no one there now that we've bunked <laughs> off school. <laughs> and then we get Upside Down Boogeyman, which is made all the more upsetting by the thought of all the worms going back around his nose and throat and then cutting him oh i just i don't think he does a nasal spray and i feel like if he did he would have gotten a lot less sick in his life well he's a spry young 29 year old man you know he can he can can get through this 40 (laughs) (laughs) um is this the the match that this builds up to is this the one that ends with boogeyman snogging all the worms into charmel's mouth I mean, pretty much any time he got, like, any woman he got in the ring with in the SmackDown roster, he did that too. He did it to Gillian Hall, like, three times. Mm. He did it to Crystal Marshall. He did it to Charmel. Like, Cause, yeah. Because he wins He wins at 22, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And it's an yeah, awful so I think he, match. It's so bad. Yeah. And I, I think I remember him him, his, him snogging worms into Charmel's mouth and then beating Booker. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that happened that as far as I know. Like, that was the spot. It was, that was the whole thing about the boogeyman is, like, he couldn't wrestle. But like, it's not as if he could then just come out and do a match and do a spot and then that's it. He would have to have a really shit match with a pump handle slam and then find a woman to cover in worms afterwards. Otherwise, it wouldn't <laughs> work like, you know. So we now have what I wrote in my notes as JBL, Steve Austin, drinkings. <laughs> this is no hint of irony, not making fun. This might be one of my favorite wrestling segments of all time, Kevin. Caption contest time with Kevin and Billy Keeble. How's it going, Bill? I'm doing well, but the floor's so wet and sticky here. Ah, isn't it just... It's like it's covered in some sort of yeasty beverage. But there's also the effervescent fizz of a lot of spilt drinks in the air. Yes. It's time, of course, for a caption contest. The caption du jour, why it's only Old Stone Cold glancing towards John Beer spilling Layfield as he what appears to be wets his own t-shirt, Billy. Yeah. This is a different type of contest all of a sudden. Yeah, he's cheating in this contest. Like, the, the no good heel he is. 
Just like Foghorn Leghorn would have cheated in a beer drinking contest. That is, yeah, 100% what Foghorn Leghorn would do. And he would have done the same thing in a wet t-shirt contest as well. That no good Foghorn Leghorn, that busty <laughs> son of a bitch. Hey, the caption contest is brought to you by our Patreon page. Patreon.com forward slash a podcast. Become a backer for as little as $5 a month and back out whenever you like. Get access to a whole shed load of content. I'm talking over 100 hours of Smackdown Crawl. You get video episodes of myself and Adam and Billy. Q&A episodes for myself, Adam and Billy. As well as that, you got side ventures such as Billy and Adam reviewing ridiculous wrestling comics. Myself and Adam going through all the wrestling autobiographies and beyond in the Bibliotheque. All this and much more awaits you at Patreon.com forward slash a podcast and if you would like to sponsor the caption contest you can head on over there or you head over to the patreon page for all details or you can email us at it to your podcast at gmail.com subject sponsorship billy you've got some captions over there on the book of faces and i've got some here on the twitter what do you got for me billster so i think we should describe the picture in full first we've got jbl he's pouring some beer down his chest and looking to stage right while stage right his left his left while austin is coming around to his other side uh, to uh, to look at him and, and jbl doesn't know he's there first i've got is from elliot hodgett who just said not pictured joey styles fist <laughs> because it does look like there that it does look like a, a fist could be photoshopped out of that image I, you know, I always like Billy. Anytime someone like JBL, uh, 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 someone who's a lightning rod for controversy, appears in the caption contest, we then get all these like embarrassing incidents from their past yeah. showing up. I've not looked through all of these yet on my end, but I'm pretty sure the Blue Meanie is going to be making an appearance at some point oh, in the caption contest. Undoubtedly. Coming up here from James Leach. JBL, this is some of my finest sardine sarsaparilla. We start with a fishbone lax structure and, oh dang, you done spilled it all over yourself, you <laughs> silly son of a bitch. We, what we did have on over on Facebook, I don't know if you had the same on Twitter, we had a load of references to the drinking problem from Airplane. <laughs> So it's a solid, it's a solid gag. It's a we solid did gag, yeah. on Cinema Swirl recently, and it remains a solid gag. Absolutely, and the best joke about drinking problems that has ever been committed. Absolutely, so to, to, to celluloids. I'm not going to read them out because there were so many, and I've just got too many things to do. Peace and love. But <laughs> I just want to say big shout out to all the airplane references here from Jake Berry, uh, Steve. I would uh, like to take this opportunity to express my fondness for a nice called Steve Weiser crowd cheers jbl i'd also like to express my fondness for that particular beer crowd booze jr good god that man's never drank a steve weiser in his life <laughs> you know what's the greatest greatest misfire of the attitude era is that we never got steve weiser's during the attitude yeah. era or remotely we got a stone cold ipa which was for fans of a podcast like eight years after the fact like it's I marketing like 101 like get on that he, he alluded to, I think, in his podcast before, Billy, he was like, said words to the effect of, oh, there was like prototypes on the table, but someone dropped the ball. I'm not sure if it was Steve Austin being notoriously protective of his spot mm. where he thought too light a lager would somehow derail his push. Or, or, or was he saying that someone dropped the bottle, but he was drunk and slurring his words? <laughs> so we had we had one prototype beer, we dropped it on the floor, we, got, we can work out the formula again. <laughs> We got one here from our main man, Brian Zane. 
damn it, Bradshaw, you're supposed to spill your beer on the rookies' heads. The rookies! (laughs) One here from James Galbraith. JBL metaphorically explaining the WWE's usage of talent to Steve Austin in the only way he would understand. (laughs) It's the language he's comfortable with, Billy. (laughs) We go in here from Noah Leatherland. What's wrong, Bradshaw? You look spooked. Yeah, sorry, Steve, I just had this terrible thought that one day the WWE locker room won't be full of hazing, abuse, and fistfights, no. <laughs> the kids today, Billy, is, they, they don't, the kids today, they don't have the tolerance for wanting abuse and hazing like they used to. What's that all about? Nothing's wrong with a bit of bullying made me a man. <laughs> Tom Jacobson, uh, Stone Cold. Yeah, what do you want? JBL, a beer, Stone Cold. Okay, then, JBL. Can I have a clean glass? Stone Cold <laughs> wipes glass furiously. Here you go, your majesty. The idea of Steve Austin tending bar is is kind of like, you know, there there's there's a business plan that will would not get you your loan secured at the Building Society. It says here you got Steve Austin tending bar. It's gonna be a lot of spilt drinks there. Yeah. Gonna, those profit margins are gonna be razor thin, Bill. I can't even imagine like Steve Austin cleaning like a glass. <laughs> I like. I imagine that after Steve's had like a pint, he'll just like smash the glass on the floor, and then yeah, you know, and then he walks to the next place. Yeah. That's the only way Steve can actually. I can't imagine him move. with a little towel on his shoulder cleaning a glass. Absolutely not. I can imagine him spitting in a glass yeah, for some reason. That seems grand, you know. We go in here from wrestling referees as wizards. Having run out of people to bully in the locker room, JBL has no choice but to ruin his own clothes so that the Lord of Darkness's power can continue to grow stronger. <laughs> Philip Glover here with That's it, John. You're barred from the friendly tap for life. I'm taking your caricature down from Mount Lushmore and pulling your favourite song out of the jukebox. It's raining, men. Yeah, not no more, it ain't. <laughs> JBL strikes me as an it's raining man type of guy like lets his hair down a Saturday he, night type but, of thing but he know? wouldn't want anyone to know he likes that song no it's his secret it's in his secret secret collection his personal collection <laughs> if it ever came out there would be so many holes punched in walls <laughs> we got one here from Matt now this is this is when modern Twitter accounts you, you, you do yourselves dirty here because he's written it's it's Matt, I think, but it's M-X-T-T, and I don't even know how to pronounce that. I'm not even going to try, all right? So, mixed. Can I shock you, Steve? I like Broken Skull IPA, despite what I said earlier. At any one time, I've got nine cans of Broken Skull IPA in my house. <laughs> I've got one here from Ryan Bradshaw. It's uh, something we're all going to remember. Bravey, bold John Bradshaw, right fall from Sweetwater... He was not afraid to drink, oh brave John Bradshaw. He was not afraid to cheat in the drinking challenge. Brave, brave, <laughs> brave, brave John Bradshaw. Maggle. <laughs> it's a little Sweetwater. If I lived in a town or came from a place called Sweetwater. You'd never leave. I, 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 I'd never leave. I, any muddy puddle I would see or any cloudy bit of dishwater, I'd be glugging it down thinking it's the nice nectar from Tron. It sounds delicious. Or it's Nesquik. Every muddy puddle is an opportunity for Nesquik. <laughs> Oh, I go for a lovely bit of Nesquik in a muddy puddle any day of the week, Billy. <laughs> From Joe Del Toro. Hey, Bradshaw, I got you a Pabst Blue Meanie. Da, where? I mean, ribbon. <laughs> ribbon. <laughs> I had one here with Tom White, with possibly one of the nichest references. So this, this what he's referencing here is the, 1995, the 1955 Danny K musical, The Courtchester. 
So, and is this is this coming up on our our next installment of Billy's Media and Culture Watch? Is it like it's the thirtieth anniversary of a seldom heard musical? The pellet, what with the poisons? What in the vessel with the pestle? What the chalice? What from the palace? What has the proof that is true? What? You know what, Billy? I'll say that's the best advertisement for that piece of media I've ever come across. <laughs> You've got me intrigued at the very, very least. CPA wrestles, eh? This man knows all about beer and wrestling. You spilled the beer. That's what's the matter. We're on live TV. The last thing we need is bad luck. Quick, toss some beer over your white shoulder. Who's the mealy-mouthed son of a bitch to hit me with a glass of beer? <laughs> Derek McLeod here with Bradshaw runs into the new security guard at the friendly tap who sees right through his disguise of John Incognito. <laughs> Wait a minute. John Incognito, he's kind of like Mr. Mr. Strubby. He does have that big comedy mustache <laughs> that we saw on Saturday Night's Main Event. Like, Oh, here we go. Here's my 2007 references right here. Scott Cavaliero. JBL showing us how to drink Mama Joanna. Joanna energy. Yeah, baby. baby. I'm all about that Mama Joanna energy. This is potentially my favourite one of all the ones I saw on Facebook from Stephen Porter. While Mr. Austin, I do declare, I appear to have spilled your lovely gift of beer over my cotillion attire. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my fucking God. James E. Couture, wouldn't you spill your drink if you saw... Wait a minute. Enhanced there. Bot- top top right over Austin Schultz. Yes, that's Katie Vick. It's seriously, the someone appears exactly like Katie, <laughs> Katie Vick. What the fuck? This is this a journey into darkness? We got to get Adam on the horn. What's going on? That's Katie Vick. Jesus. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it a damn bit. Chris Martin, JBL just discovered what IPA stood for in regards to Steve's broken school craft beer. Austin whispers, it's part Austin. <laughs> Melly Dawson, Layfield, at last, it looks just like. <laughs> <laughs> um, Layfield, at last, it looks like I can say, God damn it, John, you spilt my IPA. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> you know what? The pivot from Simpsons into Les Mis is the most adult thing the Atiara podcast has ever done in its, its eight years, Billy, I think. The audience is maturing. Exactly. So, last one from me for, from Paul McAleese. JBL, I would prefer a single plum floating in perfume served in a 10-gallon hat. <laughs> That's a 10 gallons of perfume? Ooh, baby. You're not, uh, no, you're not knocking that back. No, didn't you guys see the master? You can't drink that much. It'll be bad for you. You'll get an uppy tummy. That seems like... That, that seems like a hazing ritual, though. You've got to drink. You've got to drink cologne out of Bradshaw's hat. <laughs> and the Undertaker's like, "Well, that's how I was broken in the business. Except back then, it was a slightly smaller hat from Blackjack Lanza. <laughs> but we drank it and had respect for the business, and all hated each other secretly and cried ourselves to sleep at night. And it was for the best. And every we were done, we would go to Blackjack Lanza and say." Thank you, sir. May I have some more? And Blackjack Lanza's like, I have to wait till I go to the car boot because I can't get that much perfume <laughs> at short notice, you know? So, And that perfume was the WCW Nitro Cologne, Ooh, the one baby. and the same. We had some good captions today. We had some chunky big boy captions today. Thank you, everyone who sent them in over to the Twitter at a podcast and over on the Facebook, facebook.com 
forward slash Attitude podcast. If you've got any recommendations for upcoming episodes in the season of captions you'd like to see, or you want to sponsor, hit us up on the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash a podcast. Or a reminder once again, any and all inquiries, Attitude podcast at gmail.com. Billy, I think it's time to get back our Saturday night shoes on and head back to Saturday night's main event. Okay, let's just put our little fingers and then more fingers, then our whole hands into the entrance to the void and pull that right open. Oh, Billy, (laughs) I thought you were talking about shoes, not a void. Oh, dear. (laughs) All right, off we go into the void. Oh, God, Billy, it is absolute fucking gold. It is so good. It is everything I like about the unscripted aspect of wrestling Mm. because you got two lads in here who have got one job which is to put on a drinking contest and fill out 10 minutes and what they do is they go around 20 and they instead focus on trying to make each other laugh and it's just the fact that they can do that and still thread the needle of jbl like they're promoting a jbl chris benoit match here and Mm. They still managed to just about do that and still have JBL be a heel and Austin be a face and everyone gets all this shit in. Oh, my God. I remember I had this Saturday Night's Main event on DVD. I had like a little collection thing and it was left in the DVD player once when my brother was visiting and he was down early in the morning. He was having a coffee and he just turned on the TV and an auto played and this came up. And like my brother hadn't watched wrestling in three or four years and he came into me when I was having breakfast with a big smile. He's like, have you seen this? Austin JBL, like he didn't even know that he didn't even know that JBL was Bradshaw, and he was yeah. just like, "This is the funniest thing. It's so good. Why isn't all wrestling comedy like this?" <laughs> yeah. And I've never heard anybody talk about this segment before. It is like, in many respects, Billy, it is a train wreck. Let's be honest. Oh, it's so good. It's though. so good though. JBL, what a character! I can't think of anyone whose politics and whose general like attitude and demeanor in life that is like completely opposite to mine. I think he's a bully. I think he's a fucking pig, to put it mildly. And yes, he turned that into a character and got heel heat, but he did it in a way where it's like, I acknowledge you, the fan, who has a different viewpoint and life to me, and I'm going to portray this character in a way mm. that fits into your mold while still being true to what I believe. And, like, very few wrestlers do that because there's a lot of wrestlers no. who, like, get in, believe their own shit, and then, like, oh, I was going to be myself and be cool. No one has went full in on making what they believe be uncool for heel heat and despicable and loathsome like JBL. And mm. he is a piece of shit. I have no time for him as a human being. But, yeah, I want to see him as a... He- and there's an argument he made for people like JBL having a place in wrestling in spite of being a bully and a hazer and a piece of shit because I really enjoy watching him get beat up and made a fool out of. It is very mm. cathartic to see this actual bully get his comeuppance all the time. <laughs> he's he's obviously got a great mind for the business in terms of a, a performative heel stance. Yes. Like, you'd, you'd say, like, he should be teaching classes at the Performance Centre, but at the same time, in no way should he be holding classes at the Performance Centre. Like, no no one else who is a Texas fucking bred, big, longhorn yeehaw, who legitimately is a self-made millionaire who made his money on the markets and loves kind of deregulation and Reaganomics and all that jazz, and George fucking Bush gets a second term in the White House, and he goes... Yeah, you know what? 
this mightn't be good for other people. I'm going to lean into this in spite of it being great, in my opinion. I think that's fucking amazing. Mm. I do love as well that he has got the biggest suit you ever did see. Good Lord, the size of this man's clothes. Eclipsed <laughs> only by the size of Steve Austin's very big boy jeans. Just like everything about this segment has just like, had me laughing. The... The, the interaction between these two, we got a great joke from Jerry. He said, Steve Austin's idea of a balanced diet is a beer in each hand. Great line. His, his favourite beer is his next beer. Excellent line. JBL saying the reason why he's mad at Austin is because Austin talked about Texas greats and didn't mention JBL's two favourite Texas things, which are the Alamo and himself. <laughs> <laughs> and he also he runs down detroit he's like your auto industry with their precious workers unions are an embarrassment to america you're losing jobs to mexico you're losing jobs to toyota he, he also is particularly furious about the mayor of detroit who's got an earring and jr's like well you know jbl he he has a point guys you know it is not it's not a becoming of a mayor <laughs> He refers to his own country, the country, by the way, who he's hoping to represent by winning the U.S. title at WrestleMania 22. USA is a worldwide joke, says JBL. <laughs> Did you enjoy Austin's meal that he had this day? I enjoyed how drunk he seemed, and I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't tell if Austin was like shoot tired, shoot drunk, or was looking so into this going. Well, if I'm going to tell a big long story about having 35 beers, I should appear to be a little inebriated. So I'm going to talk <laughs> a little slower. I'm going to take take a, something to slow me down a little bit. And he's like, hey, man, I had a pitcher of beer. And then I had another four pitchers of beer. <laughs> he's like full. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's yeah. had a big Toby Carver or something like that. So, So by this evening... Austin claims that in his hotel room in the morning, he called down for breakfast. He asked for one egg for the protein and two cases of beer. He admits he drank all 24 of those beers. At lunch, he's had 15 pitchers of beer and he's still thirsty. 15 pitchers, of course. Uh, uh, this man should be dead. <laughs> well, if you didn't have the egg in you, Billy, he'd be dead. That's why he took the egg for the protein, the vitamins, the minerals, all that good stuff, you know? <laughs> And then before the competition even starts, he goes to take a beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, he's literally like, he keeps reaching and JBL's like, no, there's rules. And Austin's like, but I'm thirsty. Like. <laughs> and then there's a point where JBL, like he's about to start, and he looks over his shoulder and goes, you drank all those beers today, right? Like thinking he might have a chance in doing yeah. it. I love when Austin came out as well in his pickup truck. He just revved the fucking engine, beeping his horn like such a fucking Yahoo. And this, <laughs> this smaller arena now smells of burnt rubber and burnt carpet. Fuck me. And beer. And he goes up to, to, to JBL. He's like, what are you, like 5'11"? You're like, what are you, like, you're like 208 pounds? Like, he's such a fucking dickhead. <laughs> anyway, this fucking beer drinking contest, which has rules, and there are rules because this is JBL's world, his society, his economy. <laughs> he referring to his big his economy makes Austin corpse. And they go back to back and they're going to do like five paces and then they're going to start drinking as many beers as they can. There's 25 yeah. on each side. And it's one minute they have. And this is the line that breaks them both where Austin goes, 
you're the one minute man, huh? Ain't you? And then Shabia goes, you've been talking to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> the other line that nearly, uh, where it does get Austin is when JBL says he's not like Brokeback Mountain, he's a real cowboy. And Austin doesn't know how to respond to that at first. So he just like smirks and goes, no comment. Yeah, for fuck's <laughs> sake, lads. Jesus Christ. Anyway, JBL, he starts uh, wetting his blouse with beer, cheating, so to speak. And Austin, I love this. Anytime a heel does something sneaky and the face just immediately catches them. And Austin's just yeah. like drinking, staring at him as JBL's pouring the beer down. And JBL does drink one whole beer. I'll give yeah. him that much at least. Because he, he, takes, he takes his one third of a sip during each of the count down to zero and i love as well jbl's like no this ain't beer this is um piss yeah i drank a lot of fizzy water yesterday that's why it's all fizzy it's all it is i'm just pissing myself he throws a beer at austin no he put po- what does he even poke austin in the eyes no no so uh, as soon as jbl is rumbled he throws the beer in austin's eyes and runs away <laughs> he runs away and much like Anytime Billy and I drank too much together and had a bit too much fun, the specter of Chris Benoit appears and ruins everything. Oh, yes. like, you know, Billy and I are like, let's get some jugs of old Rosie. Yay! And then we're like, yeah, the reason Chris Benoit did it is... Uh... And Benoit throws JBL back into the ring where he gets doused in beer over and over, gets a big stunner, and the only thing that made this even funnier was that somehow it being doused in beer... JPL got busted open hard yeah, way. He had a, yeah, he got a hard way on his eyebrow, and I have no idea how this happened. I think the pitcher caught him right in the uh. eye, so Austin just fucked the pitcher right in his face. And what I love, though, is that when JBL rolls into the ring, like the tip of his foot touches the corner of the table, and all the beers just spill yeah. immediately. <laughs> and it's quite a sight. It's, I, I would go down oddly satisfying, I would say, is what it was, watching all yeah. those beers fizz up and go flat at once. And then Austin deciding out of nowhere, JBL's not moving. I'll perform CPR on him. (laughs) Excellent. I loved everything about that segment. You could give me 10 of those in a wrestling show and I'd be happy every night of the week. Excellent 100%. So good. Honestly, go out of your way to watch this. If you've not seen it, it's a masterclass in just improv, having a good time, but not... Not letting it go completely off, off kilter. Mm. They still did a bit of business here, and they still sent everyone home happy. Like fans were somehow as happy as Austin and JBL were in this segment, and that's saying a lot. We cut backstage to Candace Michelle looking at the cover of our Playboy magazine, and she's like, "Look how great this is!" And Victoria's like, "You know, it would be really great." getting vaccinated and Candace is like nah, <laughs> nah. Oh, is, 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 is Candace anti-vax now as well is she? oh she sure is there's a lot of them uh, the diva era my god there's a lot of them who don't care about vaccinating their kids vaccinating well I sure kids. hope Kelly Kelly is is vaccinated and she's not anti-vax well Trish Stratus who's also in this match she is also anti-vax we got uh, Victoria and Candace taking on Mickey and Trish the loser of the match will be filled with deadly coronavirus vaccines we so we're in the middle of the Mickey and Trish storyline. Yes. Um Which I you know what, Billy, I'm gonna say I'm gonna call my shot here now. This is not as good as people remember. It's simply because in the fucking desert of women's storylines, of which there were literally none at the time. Yeah. Or, it's just that there was a story going into it. And there were two women who were good performers, one of whom 
was willing to throw herself head first and you know arse deep into it as did mickey james she absolutely yeah. gave a hundred a million percent i remember like kind of looking back at trish stuff and going like i don't know so much of this is just for the benefit of her and her kind of being positioned as being the best mm. and that vince and wb love her so much like the three women in this match are all here just to make trish stratus seem like the best thing in the world yeah because as jr creepily says She's a taste of Canada that even Steve Austin would enjoy. Because uh, because the beer uh, in the previous segment <laughs> was from Canada because JBL said that there's no good beer in Detroit. Well, if Trish Stratus was a, a beer, I wouldn't mind drinking a glass of her. There you go. That's nice and... Uh, why are you talking about her like that? It's weird. Like, look, if you're going to ogle her, just fucking ogle her. None of this weird, like, fucking, well, if she was a bucket of paint, I wouldn't mind painting my picket fence, if you know what I'm saying. What are you talking about? I'm going to say it, and I might get some flack for this. Women are not beverages. All right, Billy. All right, Mr. Fucking <laughs> Woke over here. Come on. Uh, JR speculates that Victoria's biscuits may not be done. And I don't know if that means that she's like, Hot or crazy I, or what that... I don't know. Speak I think, English. They, I think what they're perhaps saying is that she doesn't have big breasts maybe there. Oh, I thought it meant that she was... Oh, I see. Because Mickey, so I think Mickey saying, James would later use the, the insult biscuit butt against Alexa Bliss at one point. So mm. I don't know. Look, Billy, I've come here now uh, a day late and a dollar short. I thought I was a biscuits master. But as it pertains to puns and women, I don't know what it means. No, I don't know what it means. And this supposedly great fucking feud, crowd was silent during the whole fucking deal. We mm. get no tag for Mickey. Trish just like beats up them both. We get the heat on Trish and then Trish just like beats up Victoria and Candace and wins. And it was just, it was ice cold, honestly. Yeah. We then have Mickey. She comes in. And she's like, right, Trish, I know I said I'd leave you alone after this. I'm sorry, but old time's sake. And she tries to kiss her. And Trish goes, what the fuck are you doing? And then she tries to hug her. And then she goes, what the fuck are you doing? And then she kicks her. And then there's the satisfaction. The crowd only made noise for Mickey trying to kiss Trish. That's the only thing yeah. they cared about. Didn't they turn? Didn't, didn't, didn't they do a double turn as part of this storyline where suddenly Mickey was the face in all this? Like way later. Am I remembering after, incorrectly? No, after Trish retired, they had like Mickey just kind of be the face then afterwards. But right. no, they didn't do any kind of interaction with them. Like at the start, they had Trish kind of try and like put up with her. But the idea of this is that Trish should have to deal with like crazy psychos like like Mickey. And like, whoa, they may want to be like kind of ambiguous about like complimenting the women's bodies or anything like that. But they don't care about calling Mickey James crazy. They just call her psycho over and over. Mm. A woman that is pet coon goofy by any definition of the words. And the crowd are quiet as she screams like, Do you love me, Tristratus? And then we cut back from commercial. And there's been an interview where she says the same thing to coach. Do you yeah. love me now, Tristratus? Make sure you say that over and over again. Honestly, I... I think it's like it is the only women's angle of note that was in 2006. I think it's overblown. It's overdone. I think both women did better things in their career than this. Yeah, I, I think it is just by virtue of it being the only story. Because I can't remember any other women's storylines from this time, but I remember this. Uh, in 2006, 
I mean, the boogeyman and his worms had something to say about yeah. the women of SmackDown. <laughs> That's about it. Is. We get a rundown of the WrestleMania 22 cards. This is so fucking good. None of you voted for it. I'm going to put it up again for another boys' pick vote because <laughs> I'm an idiot. And then it's time for the man who's calling out the Undertaker. It's Mark Henry, and I completely forgot this was his mate, Davari. Yeah, it's the... How's Davari got involved with Henry? Davari, as far as I know, he was Muhammad Hassan's manager. Then, at the end of, like, summer 05, Hassan got taken out because, of you know, UPN didn't want him on the network anymore. And then I believe when Henry re-debuted, one of his many re-debuts as being like a guy who attacked The Undertaker, I'm pretty sure Davari just showed up as his manager. I know as well that they used Davari earlier in 2006. He was Kurt Angle's manager when Kurt was feuding with Cena and they desperately wanted him to be booed. They put Davari with him because it's like Kurt Angle coming out with a lad speaking Arabic, running down Jesus. And this doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Davari like... was literally just like, here's the foreigner and we hate Muslim people, yeah. so you know, give him a bit of a boo. And and he's happy to take bumps. I'll tell you what, Mark Henry is fucking soaking. Like, wow, yeah. that's a wet big boy right there. That's the, I'd say a two litres of Evian on him right there, at least. I, I forgot this match even existed. This this casket match between Henry and Taker. Oh, it's fucking rubbish. It's so it's, fucking rubbish. It's before it's before Henry's good. It's before everything's clicked into place for him, yeah. And Taker is just like... And Taker's, as we know, is rubbish, so... <laughs> <laughs> I love this little package they put together. It's like 20 seconds, and it's like... Will The Undertaker lose? And then it goes, like a big kind of crazy sting. And Javari reminds us all that Mark Henry is not afraid of you, Undertaker! <laughs> like, was was anybody... Like, because if you're going into a Taker match where it's about the streak... Particularly after the year before where it was Randy Orton and everyone thought 21 yeah. Randy was breaking that streak. Everyone. You need to... The person he's facing, you need to feel like they have a chance of winning. Did people really think, online or fans, no. think that Henry had any chance of beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania? No, and I do remember that there was chat that beforehand that they were going to go with like one of the young guys, like you know, Chris Masters or one, you know, one of those kind of... The idea had come around because I think of... Randy at 21 that it was going to be like a young hotshot was going to do it and they were going to come in and ride Undertaker off the town and I think this is literally just like let's give Mark Henry something special because yeah. I think they were at the point with Mark now where they knew that he had improved enough that they could put him in these positions I think the thought was that giving him main event status with someone like The Undertaker would rub off on Henry and Henry did put it together Albeit like five or so years after this, yeah, I don't think honestly it's a bit over generous to say that the Undertaker played a role in Mark Henry getting over as a main event talent. That nah, my friends was it. the big show, and Mark Henry that was them yeah. doing it. Like that was them doing it. You, you just saying that having Chris Masters versus Undertaker WrestleMania just made me imagine that their entire WrestleMania match is a is a um Mas a master lock challenge. challenge. Yes, please. <laughs> Like, so instead of having Bobby break it, we're going to have it at WrestleMania, and it's going to be Masters versus Undertaker, and Undertaker's going to be the person to, to, to break the Master Lock for the first time. 
that would have got Undertaker over with me as a 14-year-old because I was a Chris Masters mark. You have Taker in the master lock and then he starts going and his eyes roll back and his tongue comes out. Then you hit Chris Masters with lightning. One, yeah. one two, three. You know, Sorted. there you go. <laughs> this was very, very awkward for, for one big reason. And it's not because Undertaker came out looking like I know it's meant to be Halloween themed and scary, but he literally looked like a fucking pumpkin. He was so orange when he came out. Yeah, here. they brought out the casket for the match, and they're doing the idea they do it all the time when a big man's in a casket match, where it's like, oh, the big man's scared of caskets because I don't want to be in a small space because I'm a big man. Because all big men have claustrophobia. I'm a big man. You can put me in a fucking cupboard, and I'll be delighted as long as I've got a Nintendo Switch. I dare you. I double dare you. Put me in a small space. I can't wait to be dead. I insist on being buried in a casket because I can't wait to be inside a casket so much. If you if you must turn me into ashes, put me in a casket first, please, so I can qualify this statement. But when they brought out the casket, which was bigger, JR goes, look at the size of that casket. That casket reminiscent of the coffin that was used for Yokozuna, long pause. Ah, oh, here now. Many, many years ago. And I, I get you're trying to say the Taker did a casket gimmick with Yokozuna, but when you literally say the casket that was used for Yokozuna, dot, 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 many years ago, yeah. you literally just made me think, oh yeah, he did die, didn't he? And yeah. that is... And he did have a big coffin because he was a big man. Like... I think I've mentioned it before, but when I went to WrestleMania Fan Access, they had a graveyard for the Undertaker's opponents mm. at WrestleMania, and they all had a tombstone. And a lot of those men are dead, and they just yeah. had tombstones implying makes it makes it look that Taker killed them all. Yeah, and when one of those people was literally hung after the match, it doesn't really look like a good vibe for that whole business, yeah. Billy. I don't think. Anyway, Why would you bring it to back to Yokozuna? I have no fucking idea. Absolutely, there have been bigger. There have been bigger caskets other than. On people like Big Show, I'm sure has been in the casket match. Not at this, point, this point, would you believe? No, he hasn't. Not he at this point. No, no. So I, I get like you're trying to do the nostalgia play, and it, honestly, it was one of the only bits of nostalgia other than Austin that was on this Saturday night's main event show. But it just, it was foot in the mouth. I think the awkward pause there was someone going, "Oh mm. shit, no!" Uh, say many years ago, so we, yeah, we think about his funeral in 1999 or whatever. It's just a standard little brawl between these two guys here, ending with Davari getting a tombstone in the casket. I'm pretty sure Davari is not at the WrestleMania match, even though he has all this time all year. Jesus. He's there putting people over, you know, trying to get heat, taking bumps. You know, won't be the first or the last lad who's there bumping his ass off, doing promos, making someone else look good, and then they get nothing out of it. But there you go. Davari, out of it. Out of curiosity, I'm just going to quickly look up how long that casket match is at WrestleMania 22. I'm going to go say seven minutes is my is my official estimate. I'm going to go over ten minutes. Oh, I'm going to say no. twelve minutes long. Let's have a look. That match is nine minutes and twenty-eight seconds long. Split the difference, Bill. That's all we have to do. Yeah, there. we split the difference there. So yes, one of the coldest matches. I would actually argue to say after Boogeyman, it's the worst match on that WrestleMania card from WrestleMania 22. Get ready for the Undertaker. You know, I see him I'm talking myself out of this greatest WrestleMania of all time, other than seventeen <laughs> bullshit I've been spewing. Coming up next. Main event time, Shawn Michaels versus Shane McMahon. Who is Vince McMahon's favorite son? Story they have, one of my favorites where it's Vince McMahon having a midlife crisis well into his post-midlife period of his 60s. (laughs) And we talk about how, and I quote, 
Shawn Michaels used to be a young man who made bad choices, and he's not anymore, and I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't everyone else be like Shawn Michaels, right? Shane McMahon comes out and he's immediately attacked on ramp, and anytime Shane is on screen and he's referred to as being the heir apparent is really funny to me. Particularly because people would have thought that was funny because Triple H is the heir apparent. And that's even funnier now. There is no heir apparent in the McMahon family. It's just going to be some fucking guy who worked for, like, I don't know, an NFT company or some sports executive or whatever it is. Because as we said already, we're in in late September 2021. And I know that loads of people are happy that, like, Triple H is finally getting his in terms of, like, he's having to deal with the shit that other people have had to deal with for so long. I feel bad for him, though. I can't help but feel bad for him. But I was told I wouldn't have to reap what I sow. That's not yeah. fair. <laughs> ah, bless him. Ah, don't worry. Hey, we've got a special new NXT show for you to ruin. You want to give that a go? Huh? Huh? Oh, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. So, JR, because he's been fired by the McMahons, he's extra sassy in this one. He keeps talking about... <laughs> Some of the lines he has, demon seed, bastard son, cursed progeny, whatever it is he could call. They're they're all some of my favorite death metal bands. (laughs) (laughs) This match, I don't say it's about one move, but the early portion of the match is all about one move, which is one of my favorite calls of all time. The uber duper pooperplex off the top of the ladder (laughs) outside through the table where JR screams, the king size. I think mm. I remember showing you and Adam this match quite early on in our friendship. I as think being so, like, yeah. Here's I- one that just has a big biscuity table break. And I will say as well, after the table had been set on fire earlier, it did burn quite like a biscuit would. It was a bright flame. So these tables mm. could actually be made of biscuits, as has been my persistent theory these years. This did have the thing, though, which irritates me about table spots mm. which is that you it doesn't not everybody does it but shane is a particular person who does it where as soon as you hit the table you're unconscious right yeah yeah i i i do not believe that me an untrained person would be knocked out from such a maneuver let alone an actual professional wrestler so you reckon you want someone to go oh yeah I want that. I don't. I, I don't want them to be unconscious just by going through a table. I don't like that. <laughs> you want to do the old like, uh, like the, the 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 Terry Funk or whatever. You get you know, the cell. You slam through the table. You go, oh, my back. Ah, yeah. Reaching out <laughs> there the camera lens. Whatever. That's a hundred percent what I want. Someone should try it, Billy. At the very very least. And we come back from commercial break where Jr. goes. Vince McMahon has ordered the paramedics to attend to his son, Shane, and ignore the needs of Shawn Michaels. Why couldn't we see that? I would have loved to have seen Uh, that. The idea of Vince McMahon going to a paramedic and if you give this man, if you fulfill your Hippocratic oath, you're fired. (laughs) Shane McMahon beating down Shawn Michaels. He's in control, picking up that big old hefty ladder. Fucking beautiful. And I'll tell you what. It is basic stuff. You are just kind of getting heat off of, you know, beatdown spots. But 
you cut to Vince McMahon and his big face every two seconds doing silly faces and big grins and over the top. Yeah, he's doing yeah. some proper gurning here. Absolutely fucking love that. Unbelievable. And I like, it's really basic this. This is very basic WWE booking, but the fact that it's hot and it's, you know, you did that big spot earlier on, everyone's fucking jazzed up. They do a long rest hold, the surfboard, and Shane just about lets Sean out. Sean just about gets out, and the first thing he does is he goes to swing for Vince McMahon because he just wants a piece of that ass. Mm. I like that a lot. Very, very good. And Shane McMahon, he's you know living his boyhood dream here. He's he's keeping yeah. up toe to toe with Shawn Michaels. He is a very, very good performer. Is Shane McMahon? No, he's doing good. I think it's around about this point that we got a. I don't know if you notice it. Did you see the massive sign of Michael Jackson's mugshot? No. On hard camera, there's a guy who runs across the aisle holding this huge like a i think it's uh i think it's an a3 sign of michael jackson's mugshot fully printed out Wait, which mugshot the the 2005 mugshot you know the one the um so that would have been after the after the or just before the trial before the trial before the trial that was 05 you're right i just remember watching that on sky the recreations of the, the michael jackson court <laughs> trial like God, that's a pass for Edgy back in those days. Like, God, that guy would have loved the Thunderdome. We would have had a great time there. Oh, yeah. We get the coast-to-coast set up, but it misses. Vince gets bopped, and Shawn Michaels starts rallying, and he hits the big elbow into the affluent black heart of Shane McMahon. <laughs> that that coast-to-coast wow. with, with Shawn rolling out the way and Shane kicking it full force into an unprotected face of Vince. Well done. Good job, everyone. Well done, Shane. Well done, Vince, on saying, fuck, 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 and then having that being hit his face. <laughs> he and chucked then it right the on the cell. fucking shin as well, Billy. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And the cracking cell from Vince oh, yeah, off the back he, of that. He kind of goes like dazed, and he falls right in his keister. Like he, There's a bit of a comedy to it, but it also looks like mm. he's in a lot of pain, which is always fun when Vince McMahon gets hit. We get the sweet chin music. Vince McMahon pulls the referee out of the ring and starts squirming away. My favorite moment of this is when Sean corners Vince McMahon and then just goes, (laughs) He lets out like a primal scream. We get the low blow by Shane McMahon. And then, by God, it's the Detroit Screwjob, Billy. Have you ever seen such a thing? I mean, Strange enough, I have. <laughs> hi, hi, look, you've just done the actual bit of business. You know, we, we did do Survivor Series. For me, like, I think it works solely because it makes the McMahon seem so, like, petty. Like, it's, yes. it doesn't give me heel heat thinking, like, oh, how dare they to Sean. It's like, these fucking losers, they're literally parading around the shittest thing they did to fucking Bret Hart. Like, it works in that sense for me. But I don't know, how did it read with you? I didn't cringe at it like I have done in previous things where they've they've redone the the screw job. This time I felt like it kind of worked. I think because it happened to Sean, I was like, Sean was involved with it there. And then you had the storytelling of Vince saying, don't make me do to you what I did to Bret. (laughs) <laughs> and not knowing necessarily what that means. Can you imagine poor Brett watching this? As I'm sure Brett was watching a lot of wrestling and WWE, yeah. particularly in 2006. Lol. Uh, but like 
the idea of like Brett seeing this or he, more likely hearing about this second hand, and he would probably in his mind think, oh, it's like the false equivalents are saying that they've done this to Sean now, so it's okay, kind of. Like, you know, like mm. there's so many ways this could be misinterpreted or, and misconstrued. Or does, or, does, or does Brett think, like, it's like a funny joke to them all, like the three of them in the ring and they're all laughing as, as, <laughs> as, as <laughs> Sean's laughing in the sharpshooter as he taps out. It did, did do one thing, though, which was when they had Lillian Garcia, when she did the announcement, she went, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the match... As a result of submission, Shane McMahon, unlike ice cold company man Howard Finkel, who's like, the winner of the match is Shawn Michaels. Like, he didn't give a fuck, man. Howard Finkel's ice cold. Lillian has a heart. (laughs) And two calls from JR to end the night. One was excellent. One was just, what? The excellent one was when he said, Shawn Michaels has been castrated of his dignity. And that, I thought that was excellent. It was melodramatic and fitting. Mm. And then he, the McMahons are leaving. He goes, look at the McMahons. These tortured souls. <laughs> Implying like that they're like cursed or something. Like they have to yeah. do a screw job every year for the rest of their yeah, life like, as punishment. That, that implies that there's a higher power making them do this. There's a curse at, at, at play here. Mm. Like some sort of Canadian curse perhaps. Yeah. Saturday night's main event in the books a breezy 90 minutes of wrestling there's barely any wrestling in it but i will say that main event oh that beer drinking contest oh and to an extent as well in spite of the fog that opening contest there's a lot of great stuff on this show and if you want a little sampler or a little like a little show to get you psyched up for wrestlemania free advertising oh they could do a lot worse than this this was a good way of promoting a big show I, I think they should bring this back. Yes. I think they should do this. Like That is to say, if we're not doing two-night shows in the future, give that us is, one of these. give us one of these yeah. on the Saturday. If we're just having a WrestleMania Sunday, give us one of these on the Saturday. This is perfect or, vehicle for a lapsed fan who may have watched back in the day to kind of, you know, the pacing of it, it felt quick. Nothing overstayed its welcome too much. And there was a lot... There was This was a proper variety show of a wrestling yeah. event, which I really always appreciate. What did you think of this episode? Let us know in the comments below. And start to let us know your thoughts because there will be, for the next edition, a poll-up. Are we going to continue into this ruthless aggression era or are we going to go back in time to the 80s and check out the first ever Saturday Night's main event? I Look, I've got no fucking dog in this fight. I don't give a shit. Whichever one you guys want to pick, we're going to do. I've got a dog. I've got a dog. <laughs> Continue with ruthless aggression, please. You've got a, you've got a, got a dog. You got a fucking doink, is what you've got. You, <laughs> Eugene Doink and Kane, come on. That's just two episodes away. You, if, if you if you vote for this guy, you've got a destination in mind, is what you've got. I've just got random wrestling shows that I want to review with you. Either way, I'm gonna be happy. <laughs> That'll be available on the socials. Make sure you check it out. Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Podcast and at AE Podcast. And as always, don't forget you can support the show. Head over to patreon.com forward slash AE podcast to get access to a whole bevy of audio and video content for your ears and your eyes for as little as $5 a month. And hey, do not forget as well to check out not only is my main man Adam Bibolo doing this, but also Billy Keeble as well. You guys are streaming. Is that right, my main man? Yeah. 
streaming over on Twitch, nearly always doing Wednesday and Sunday evenings mm -hmm. UK time. UK. Between 7 and 8, that's usually start time on a Wednesday and a Sunday UK time. Doing a lot of fun little games, a lot of spooky games, and sometimes I just look at pictures of nice houses. Uh, yeah, there was a recent event where Billy looked at houses while listening to house music while also discussing the episodic drama serial known as House. So, yes. <laughs> you know, uh, to say that your stream has got a little bit of a different flair to it is a mild understatement at best. That's available at twitch.tv forward slash Billy Keeble, all one word. Make sure you check out Billy and Adam on social media as well, at Billy Keeble, at Biblops. And Adam is streaming at twitch.tv forward slash Adam Bibolo. And you can, of course, as well, check out many times the guys are streaming back to back. It's a lovely environment as all the fans from our shows are there. So if you guys want to hang out in the chat, watch some excellent streaming and chat with like-minded fans, those are all available. Twitch.tv forward slash Billy Keeble and Twitch.tv forward slash Adam Biblo. But hey, until next time, where it will be left up to the fans to decide if we're going back to the 80s or back to the mid-naughties. Ooh, the culture is going to be very different one way or another. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And me, Billy. And we'll see you next time on the Attitude Hero Podcast.